Kia ora, g'day and welcome to the History of Aotearoa New Zealand podcast, episode 28, Maui's End. This podcast is supported by our amazing patrons, such as Cole, Megan and Katie and Oti from the For Your Reference podcast. If you want to support Hans, go to patreon.com slash history Aotearoa. And don't forget that upcoming AMAA episode. Send in your questions before the 27th of December 2019 NZST. Because I live in the future. So if you're in America or Europe and you send a question on your 27th, it might get missed because it will be my 28th. So make sure you get your questions in to hear me answer whatever you want to know about Hans, about myself, about random opinions I might have about random things or anything like that. Anyway, for our last proper episode of Rua Mano Tako Ma Iwa, that is 2019, let's bring Maui to the end of his journey. The years passed by and Maui grew older. He was merry as ever, but there were silver threads in his hair, and his two sons were grown men. They were like their father. They were never serious, and Maui became jealous of them. One day, he called them to him as Tamanui Tara was setting. My sons, he said, I grow weary of the tale of your misdeeds. You bring shame upon me. The time has come for you to leave this world. But you will not be forgotten of men, he said as he placed his hands on their shoulders. I shall change you into stars. Who watches for the coming of night will see you, and you will be welcomed by those who look for the dawn. Farewell, my sons. He touched them with his hand, and their form changed, and they glowed with light. He took their jawbones to add to his store of fish hooks before lifting his sons in his hands and flinging them far into space, until they took their place in the vast pattern of the sky. And there they are in the wide-flung cloak of Rangi, the Sky Father. One of them is the Morning Star, and the other the Evening Star. Among those who had watched the fate of the young men was Taki, an elder brother of Maui. Taki was old and weary, He saw the stars shining peacefully in the sky, and he longed for such rest himself. Throw me into the sky as you have thrown my nephews, he begged. Then I shall live forever in the sight of men. Maui looked at his brother thoughtfully. Taki's teeth were white and strong, even in his old age. Taki's jaw would also make an excellent fish hook, but Taki himself had become fat and heavy. I cannot throw you into the sky, Maui said, but give me your jawbone and I will show you how to climb the spider's threads that stretch from earth to sky. Taki agreed, and with Maui's help he climbed the dizzy heights. His eyes grew brighter as he went to his place in the sky, and there he shines cheerfully forever. He is Taki Ara, the guiding star. Maui had decided to go fishing with Irawaru, the husband of his wife's sister. He had of course brought with him his famous fish hook, made from the jawbone of Muri, 
but in spite of its polished beauty and its magic, Maui caught nothing, while Irawaru's hook brought fish after fish after fish to join the silver heap on the bottom boards of the waka. Maui's temper began to fray. Eventually, he felt a jerk on his line, and he pulled it quickly. What Maui didn't know was that the two lines had become tangled. Keep your hook free of my line! This is my fish! Maui shouted. Irawaru paid out the cord to clear his hook, and both men pulled on their lines. When the fish lay gasping in the waka, it could be seen that it was not on Maui's hook, but Irawaru's, and all that Maui had caught was an awful untangling job when they returned to shore. Maui concealed his anger. The waka was paddled back to land, and when it reached the shore, Maui called Irawaru to jump out and lift the outrigger. As he stooped and lifted it on his back, Maui threw down his paddle and leaped on the heavy timber. Irawaru fell under the weight and lay helpless with the outrigger pressing him down onto the stones. Maui stamped on him until Irawaru's back became long, his skin grew furry, his arms and legs became short, and a tail appeared with his head changing in shape. In the place of Irawaru was a furry dog, the very first of the kuri. Maui gathered up his fish and continued on without his new furry companion. Irawaru's wife met Maui as he came up from the beach. Where is Irawaru? she asked. I have left him by the waka, Maui said with a laugh, though his eyes were not smiling. Go down and help him, wife's sister. If you cannot find him, call him. Call Moi, 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 and he will answer. The woman hurried to the beach, but she could not see her husband. She called him, but there was no answer. Then she remembered Maui's words, and she cried, Moi, Moi, and at once there was a rustle in the bushes, and a strange animal ran out and snuffled around her. When she saw it, Hinauri, the wife of Irawaru, turned back and walked in silence to the kaina, for she knew that Maui had taken vengeance on her husband, and her heart was sad. Maui was growing old. His sons were among the stars that shone at night. The sun, as it moved slowly across the sky, reminded him of his boldness as a youth. He lived on the land he had pulled from the bed of the ocean. His evening meal was cooked with the fire he had stolen from Mahuika. His people remembered these deeds. In spite of his evil temper, they remembered how much they owed to his impatience, and they looked to him to show them things more wonderful than these. And so, in his old age, Maui planned his greatest deed. He determined to conquer the dreadful goddess of death, Hinenui Tepo. From far away, he saw her. Her eyes shone, her teeth gleamed. The long masses of her hair flowed round her like surge-tossed seaweed. 
and when she spoke, her voice rumbled like thunder. Maui called to his friends the birds, and they flew to him. They came from sea and swamp and shore to do his bidding. He called for water, and Pukeko ran to fetch it. Maui was pleased, and he caught Pukeko and pulled his legs until they were long and thin, so that he could stride easily through the shallow waters of his native marshes. Only the birds were his friends as he drew near to the goddess of death. Hine was asleep, her legs wide open, and Maui threw off his kakahu and made ready to crawl between them. Listen, he whispered to the birds. No one must laugh as I crawl into her, even though the sight be strange. When I come out again, then you may laugh and sing, for I shall have killed the goddess and men and birds need never die. In the stillness, Maui leapt headfirst into the body of Hine through the entrance where men are born, and the frightened birds made no sound. Maui climbed further in until only his tattooed legs hung out. As he turned and twisted, his legs swung from side to side. Merry little Piwakawaka, the fantail, was watching and his shrill voice suddenly rang out with laughter he could not contain. Hine awoke to the sound. The lightning flashed from her red eyes, and her legs slammed shut with a mighty crash. It was only the laugh of Piwakawaka, the little fantail who laughs no more. Only that, and an incantation that his father forgot, that prevented Maui from overcoming death. For a day, and a night, the birds were sad and silent when they remembered their friend Maui. And over time, they forgot. For life is too short to be spent in sorrow, and death, at the end, is like sleep that comes to the weary. And that is the tale of Maui, trickster, demigod, legend.